Hi, my name is Sam Williams, and welcome to part one of episode number 65 of my 60 Music Podcast, Millennial Throwback Machine. Hello, so first of all, I'd like to welcome all you to part one of episode number 65 of my 16 Music Podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and for those of you who are just now discovering this podcast, either on the Apple Podcast app, or on Stitcher, or on iHeartRadio, or on Google Play Music, or on Spotify, and you're wondering, so what the heck is this? I'm just going to give you a brief description of what the show is all about. Okay, so I'm Sam Williams, and I'm a 23-year-old songwriter slash producer, but I'm also a huge 60 music fan slash expert slash nerd, and uh, each week with this podcast, I take one song by one artist from the 60s and split the show into two parts. First part of the show, I talk about my opinion on the song and why I think it's so good or why I think it sucks, then do my own personal analysis on the arrangement of the song, which will include the chords, melody, and lyrics. And in the second part of the show, I dig deep into the history behind that track. In that part of the show, I talk about who wrote the song, who produced it, who played on it, um, what studio the song was recorded at, and where the studio the song was recorded at was located at, and the label that the song was released on, where that was originally located at, and the peak position the song made up on the Billboard Hot 100 chart when it first came out, and the year and month it originally came out. All that is in the second part of the show. Now, before we move on with this week's episode of the podcast, I want to let you guys know something really, really cool. Okay, so um, I'm not sure if you guys listened to a recent episode I did of my podcast where I mentioned the fact that the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants has his own oldies tribute band. Now, why that's so cool is because um, SpongeBob has been one of the most popular kid shows of the 21st century. I grew up watching it, so a lot of people my age grew up watching it, and people even younger than me grew up watching it. And it's just so cool that the guy who is the main voice of the show, he's basically plays SpongeBob on the show, um, you know, de- you know, decided to, you know, take his abilities as a singer and basically, um, you know, create a platform which he can teach a lot of his younger fans about this really great uh, music from uh, the 60s. And long story short, I went and saw his band uh, play uh, at the Farmer's Market at the Grove in L.A. And I saw, I think, pretty sure it was last weekend. And man, I was completely blown away by his performance on stage and his band and just the insane amount of energy this guy had when he was performing. I was like, wow, this guy is really, really cool. And also, I was just, the one thing I was very happy about were the material that he decided to choose to perform that night. Um, because, I mean, he played songs that nobody really plays live anymore. I mean, I'm just going to give you some examples. I mean, he played Time Will Let Me by The Outsiders, um, Bobby Lewis Tossing and Turning, in which we did that. I did that on my show recently. And uh, Talk to Me by Sunny and the Sunliners. And, uh, you know, stuff like Keep on Running by the Spencer Davis Group. And It Hurts to Be in Love by Gene Pitney. And I will do that song very, very soon for my podcast. It's going to come up pretty soon. might be after this two-part episode, but we'll see. But anyways, um, 
But long story short, I um I saw him, but I also met him too. Uh, that was really cool because when I met Tom, he seemed like a very down to earth dude. I mean, he didn't seem like someone who was like, "Oh, I'm too good for you," or "I'm too like big for you," celebrity. I mean, he talked to everyone that came out and saw him on last Friday night. Uh, not this week, but last week. And man, he was just so down to earth and so cool. I mean, you know, I even approached him to have him be on my podcast and. And he was like, yeah, man, I'd love to be on it. And then we basically exchanged uh, information. And uh, I hope to, that one day I'll be able to get him on my podcast because I think you guys are really going to enjoy that because, you know, um, you're going to see that, you know, this music, you know, you know, even though he is a, he is a little bit older, I feel like, you know, it's going to help with connecting the dots with having him on my show as far as... Uh, the younger people who grew up watching SpongeBob who might not be as familiar with this sexy stuff as much as I am, they're gonna listen. They're gonna listen to that episode and be like, "Wow, this guy is passionate about this stuff, just like you know I am." And you know, he, and he might, and I might like it, that stuff too. But yeah. So, anyways, um, I also uh got in touch with his his uh, band leader and his band leader's brother. Uh, if I if 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 by chance I'm unable to reach Tom personally, I can always try to you know reach him through his band leader and his band leader's brother because I have their information as well. But yeah, um, I'm very excited to hopefully one day have him on my podcast, and uh, it was just so cool that uh, you know he's doing that, and uh, his band was really really good, and I'm definitely gonna see them again one of these days for sure. But moving on, let's get started in this week's song, shall we? Okay, so the song I'm doing this week, it is one of the most incredible, most insane, most well-written songs on the planet. It's a song that will literally take you on a roller coaster ride with so many twists and turns. And it's just an absolutely phenomenal song that has the power to completely blow you away when you first listen to it. And man, you know, this song is just, oh my god, it's just, it's it's amazing. It's literally a masterpiece. And I've been waiting to do this group for a very long time, and I just haven't gotten around to doing them yet, but I'm so happy that this week I'm finally going to get around and doing a song by this group. And honestly, I mean, there isn't really too much to dislike about this track, but Whoa, I mean, you guys are really in for something right now. Uh, this song came out in February of 1969. It's by a band called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. It's none other than You've Made Me So Very Happy. I lost love before got mad and closed the door but you said child just once more I oh my god that song is fucking amazing oh my god wow the song is just oh man Seriously, it's just it takes you on a roller coaster ride and the song has so many twists and turns. I mean, wow. I mean, it's just it's I'm speechless as to how fucking good the song is. It's just incredible. I mean, 
In this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to break down what makes this song so good, both musically and lyrically, because, man, I mean, it just, I don't think it gets any much any, any better than this song. But, I mean, first got to talk about the song's music first. Okay, so what makes this track so compelling and just, you know, absolutely mind-blowing and just amazing uh the really what what the answer to this question is that the the what makes this track all that is really in the song structure okay so one thing i will say about the song structure that is that it isn't anything unusual at all i mean it's got the verse pre-chorus chorus uh verse pre-chorus chorus bridge format which is typical for most pop songs for that era but really what makes the song so incredible is just the immense amount of tension that the song creates with the chords they decide to use for certain parts of the song, which really do make for incredible releases in certain sections of the of the track as well, like in the chorus. But really, what I mean by this is, for example, in the very beginning of the song, the song opens up with this incredibly beefy, ear-catching chord that sounds like a suspended uh, second chord meets a minor seventh chord and it's actually my favorite all-time chord to use in music um you know i'm pretty sure it's uh a flat nine sus four that's the that's the chord that they're using uh in the intro i mean it's actually my favorite all-time it's really just an amazing chord and really this chord stops you in your tracks when you listen to the song and you're like whoa what was that? And then all of a sudden you're hooked into listening to this whole song from start to finish. But really, this um, the amazing thing about this song is that even though the song has a common structure, the dynamics in the song are really right on the money. <laughs> I mean, when the song starts out with that drum intro and the horns and that organ and the vocals come in when the organ player plays the chords of the first verse, and the bass player plays some very tasty bass lines during this section of the track as well. But notice how things are pretty quiet during this part of the song to signal the song's quiet parts. I mean, uh, you know, everything is kind of keep kept on the down low. I mean, it's just drums, bass, and, you know, uh, organ, and the singer's lead vocals. But... Then once the pre-chorus kicks in, the lead singer's voice's volume elevates and then the horns start to get more prominent and then another minor 7 chord comes in, in which this case it's the second minor 7 chord. And since we're in the key of D-flat major, it would be uh, E-flat minor 7. That's the chord that they're using in this part of the song. And then the chorus hits you like a ton of bricks when the hook rides in, when the lead singer's voice, where he sings this very powerful melody as the organ holds it down, and, and, and one of the horn players also plays her own beautiful counter melody to go along with the lead singer's melody. Um, now, in this part of the song, like I said before, they use that chord again, that tension-building chord, that A-flat 9 sus 4 chord, and again, like once they hold it down right up until the very end of the song's hook when they resolve to that one major seven chord, that D flat major seven chord. And then that's when they bring it back into uh, the first, the second verse again, where everything repeats. Now, like I said before, 
um, after the first chorus, the song structure pretty much repeats itself, with a stunning muted trumpet countermelody in the second verse to go along with the lead singer's vocals. Um, with the lyrics, you know, obviously changing, once she gets to the second verse, the second pre-chorus, there's different lyrics. But really, um, you know, I mean, this chorus pretty much, the, the structure pretty much repeats itself. But then after the second chorus is over, that's when things really start to get interesting. Uh, then the song's intensity builds when the second chorus is done. And then there's this little vamp where the band repeats the chorus part. Uh, with the lead singer singing Thank You Baby on top of that. But then the bridge comes in with a surprise key change, and this is when, really, when the song starts to, starts to feel like a roller coaster ride because you kind of ha- feel the structure of the roller coaster by now. You know the, the, you know the jumps, and you know like when it's going to drop and when it's going to roll up. You know, and I feel like, you know, the song, when the verse pre-chorus, you know, the roller coaster is going to roll up, it's going straight up, and then once the pre-chorus comes, it kind of drops, and sorry, when the chorus comes, uh, the roller coaster drops, and then, you know, basically, you kind of get a feel for what the structure of the roller coaster looks like, but um, once you get after uh, the second chorus and into the bridge, this is when you really have no idea what's going to happen next because the song makes a sudden key change and then after the bridge is over you really have no idea what's going to happen because they do they do a key change from D flat major uh you know to G flat major and then all of a sudden you're like what's like what's going to happen now <laughs> you know I mean they do like this weird key change in the bridge and then like wait a minute okay I I need some resolution here. Like I we need to know what's gonna happen now. And thing about this part of the song, like being part of the roller coaster where you've already climbed uh, and made so many big jumps and drops, and then things go medium speed, and then the roller coaster goes like a different goes somewhere else that you weren't really expecting, and then you're wondering, okay, so how I'm gonna get back to my regular route that I was on before uh, we started going this different direction. And honestly, you don't know where it's going to go. So after the bridge is over, then there's the middle section of the song. And by the way, this is when the song gets insanely epic, where there is another key change, and then a whole new chord progression is introduced in the song. And by the way, I think after the bridge is when they kind of go back into that D-flat major uh, chord progression, because then it goes like... E flat minor and F minor, and then it goes to you know F sharp major, and then another chord. But then, uh, then then it kind of does this thing where it kind of feels like you're in E flat minor because it does the A flat minor, uh, B flat minor, uh, B major, uh, D flat major kind of build up going to that E flat minor chord progression. This is this is when the most tension building part of the song happens. Uh, you know, they play this new progression when things get louder and louder and the bass player gets funkier and the drummer does some more tasty non-linear fills and then the horns go nuts. I mean, this is just like, whoa. I mean, this is like really, really out there. You feel me? And then out of nowhere, after this little, you know, vamp right here after the bridge, the song does another key change. It goes from E flat minor to D major with that E minor chord coming in 
and then that B minor coming B minor chord coming in back to E minor and then you know they they briefly go back into E flat minor and this is when it really really gets epic because then once they briefly go back into E flat minor they go straight into D major when they do that E minor and a D major uh, you know chord change and then this is when it really really gets epic because okay so this is the part of the roller coaster where we're like okay so I'm somewhere else now. How do we get back into the other part of the roller coaster we were at before? Well, check this out. After they do this, right, they go into D major, but then they lead in going back into the chorus. Everything resolves back into the chorus, but now we're in D major. And man, this is when things get even more louder and more intense. And towards the end of the last chorus, the chord progression veers into a slightly different direction as the song starts to wind down. Because this is probably the, kind of the part of the roller coaster. Okay, so we're kind of going towards the end. We're back where we were before, but now we're in a different key. But now we're kind of slowing down, kind of get, you know, the ride's almost over. And then probably the most memorable part of the song comes in when the when the last chorus ends and everything cancels out. And it's just his lead vocal, and then the piano comes in to play another whole new chord progression. Now we're in G major, because you see how many twists and turns this song has? I mean, it's just insane. As the song does one last key change in the G major, and then into that key, and then the organ and drums and bass come in as they play their own little unique little chord changes as the singer does does what the, what sounds like ad-lib lyrics as a song rides out into the sunset where it just it, it goes into a whole new section and then the horns come in slightly into the section of the song and the guitar player also does some tasty little fills in the section of the song too but this is kind of where the song ends and then just it goes into the section and then you know he does some ad-lib lyrics and then the song ends now i will make a comment on the song's length this definitely isn't your average two to three minute pop song and even though it's long, it's so worth listening to because the song is almost like watching a movie um, where the plot and the acting changes and moves forward and some things repeat, but in the middle, you don't know what's going to happen next. And then things get dramatic and then the climax happens and there's a nice conflict resolution at the end. Um, you know, it really, this listening to the song is really like watching a movie and not all songs are like that. And if you can sit through a two-hour movie, then I'm pretty sure you can probably listen to this song in its entirety. And really, I've talked about before how songs in the beginning of the 60s started out short but got longer as the decade progressed. And this song is a really good example of that because, like I said before, by the early 60s, it was all two, three minute, under three-minute songs because AM radio had strict rules that you couldn't write a song over three minutes and you couldn't fit uh, there's only so much music you can fit on a single side of 45 we've talked about that before but once fm radio started to take off and towards the end of the 60s um you know once that happened uh the fm radio format was completely different because there were fewer to no commercials on fm radio and that meant djs could play longer songs they didn't have to worry about cutting into any sponsored brands uh for the station's uh ad commercial time so FM radio also gave DJs freedom to play obscure album cuts that might not 
have not been on the Billboard Hot 100 charts at the time. I mean, they could play stuff that nobody's ever heard before, like Vel- the Velvet Underground and the Grateful Dead and, you know, groups like that. Um, whereas AM Radio had to stick to the hit A-side singles that are pretty much already on the charts at the time. But really, uh, this song came out at a time when FM Radio was really, really starting to become popular. And, you know, at the time, FM radio was really considered cool, and AM radio was kind of considered kind of lame, kind of square, you know, to a lot of people. But really, this song came out when uh, longer songs were starting to become more in vogue, and really, uh, this was when uh, longer songs all of a sudden became popular, and the rules changed, and now longer songs could still get a lot of airplay, even on AM radio, but either way... Um, longer songs became something that, uh, you know, wasn't uh, out of the ordinary anymore. But moving on, let's talk about the song's lyrics. Because, okay, so even though the song has an amazing chord progression, an incredible arrangement, the lyrics for the song are pretty average and not the most unique as far as pop songs is concerned. I mean, this is all subjective because you might listen to the song and you might think it's one of the most amazing, one of the most well-written, most best songs ever, and I think so too, but... Really, when you look, when you really examine the lyrics for these songs and really analyze them, you start to realize that there really isn't anything different or unique or interesting about these lyrics compared to other songs that have been written before at Ignosium in the past. You know, because really, I mean, this song is about a guy that finds the love of his life, and this whole song basically consists of him confessing to this girl how much he loves her i mean how (laughs) i know i know what you're thinking wow i mean that's like a million other songs right i mean it's just something that has been written about over and over and over again and it's now it's pretty much cliche and i feel like now it's just been like it's been done and done and done at agnosium and it's just like i mean who needs more songs like that you know we need more songs with more interesting lyrical plots but i mean really i mean it's almost safe to say that there that there are a bunch of songs that fall into this category and they are for the most part considered wedding songs and even though you might think okay so lyrics for the song are a little bit cliche um i will say that you know if you're getting ready to get married and you're a lot older than i am maybe maybe not that much older like if you're in your mid, mid early to mid 30s and you're getting ready to get married or late 20s then this song is definitely for you because this is definitely the perfect song that you could you know if you're if you're a guy and you want to or a girl you want to request this song at your wedding as a message to your your husband or wife then this is definitely the one to play because really uh this song is a does a good example of you know, this would be the perfect song for for any kind of what any wedding actually, because it really does a good example of you know showing the whole progress of you know finding your your future wife and getting married to her and what where you were at before that happened and you know once you met her and your and how your life transformed once you met uh you know your future husband or wife and then. You know, and that song, this song is a really good example of, you know, showing people, uh, you know, that, uh, that transition, you know, from being single and from being not single and then getting married. You know, I mean, 
this song is a really good example of, you know, showing people that. Um, but really, I mean, for begging back to me, I mean, I'm pretty young, so... I mean, I'm 23, so marriage isn't even close to being on my radar right now, to be honest with you. But I'm. it might be if you're listening to this podcast and you're a little bit older, if you're in your like early 30s or, mid tw- or late 20s. So this song might be a song that you'll really love. But it's crazy because I know people who are just a few years older than me who are already getting married. And for me, that's definitely a sign of me getting older. You feel me? I mean, I feel like, you know, once you start, I feel like in the next, you know, five or six years, even my friends that are totally single as a Pringle right now will probably wind up getting married and, you know, even having kids too. So, I mean, I'm 23, but, you know, I'm that's kind of right around the corners for me as far as my friends is concerned. I mean, it's definitely true for a lot of my older friends that are already in their 30s. But anyways... Even though I'm not exactly in the position in the guy in the song right now, uh, I do want to share a personal story about the song that I'd like to share with you before I end this podcast. Because uh, one of the reasons why I chose the song not because not it wasn't just because I love it so much, and that's the main reason. But the other reason is because actually, uh, you know, the song is tied in with a very uh, special. Uh, and very, you know, intimate moment in my life, and I'd like to share with you guys about this moment. Okay, so when I was in high school, um, I used to see a therapist, and for about two and a half years, I'm sorry if this seems a little mushy or a little, like, weird, but uh, for two and a half years, the therapist I saw when I was in high school was really my best friend. Uh, I had a very special bond slash relationship with her, and I felt like she was someone that really, really cared about me deeply. And she was very, you know, she had a, she showed a very big interest in my life. And I felt like a lot of people in my high school didn't do that. And uh, our thing was at the end of every session, I would play for her a song from the 60s. And I'd talk about it a little bit with her. Now, granted, at the time, I didn't know as much about this music from the 60s back then as I do right now. I knew some things. I knew quite a quite a bit, but I you know, I didn't I couldn't there's a lot of things I didn't even know back then that I do right now. But anyways, um getting back to this story, right? Uh when I was when it was at the when it was time for me to graduate, um I unfortunately had to stop seeing her as a therapist. I mean, though at times I wish we would have continued to see each other after I graduated, though um, you know, I just wish because I felt like the first, you know, three or four years after high school were kind of hard for me. I mean, there it was a lot of ups and downs, you know, and I felt like, you know, maybe it would have been cool just to, you know, see her, uh, keep seeing her so that way she can kind of work through me through all that. But now I feel like there's been a lot of ups for me this year and a lot of good things that went through for me this year. So, I feel like I'm pretty good right now, and I really don't need to see a therapist now, but um, because I'm doing really, really well. Um, but anyways, as far as how that all ties in with this specific song, this song was the very last song I ever played for her during our last ever session together. And there's a reason why I chose this song to play for her. And by the way, when we were playing these songs, she had a she had like a computer in her office and we would just pull these songs up on YouTube. This was actually before even Spotify took off. This was like, you know, 
you know, six or seven, you know, years ago, like 2011, 2012, 2013, you know, so this was quite a while ago, you know, so this was even before Spotify was even big and people were, you know, all over the world were using it. And, uh, but really, um, the reason why I chose the song was because the chorus in the song summed up exactly how I felt about her. I mean, I was extremely glad that she came into my life even if it was for a very brief period of time, and she did make me very happy for the brief period of time I was seeing her because she basically would listen to me, she would show interest in me, she would ask me questions about my life, and, you know, she would, you know, basically become my best friend, even though it was more or less a one-sided relationship. I didn't really know too much about her, and I felt like you know, that's kind of how it was supposed to be. I didn't really, I couldn't really delve into her personal life that much because she wasn't my friend. She was my therapist and the therapist client relationship. But I think you guys know what I'm talking about. But anyways, I felt like I had the strongest relationship with her than all the friends I had in high school because I felt like, I mean, the friends I had in high school, they were okay, but I felt like, you know, there were some that were cool, but really... I mean, it, none of those people could compare it to her, um, you know, and honestly, I mean, she actually might be listening to this podcast episode right now, and I want to say that, um, Jessica, if you are checking out this podcast randomly, um, and you're just, and you're listening to this episode right now, I wanted to tell you that I miss you, and I'm doing really, really well and I'm very excited with the way things are going on in my life right now. And I want, and I know you would be very proud of me for all that I have accomplished after I stopped seeing you as my therapist after I graduated from high school in 2013. So um, I hope you know you're doing well, and I'm doing awesome. A lot of good things happened to me this year. I mean, hopefully I'll see you and hear from you again one day. But if not, I miss you. And uh, I really, really wish you the best, and I'm sure you do for me as well. So that concludes part one of episode number 65 of my Sexy Music Podcast, the Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and as per usual, if you liked my analysis on this week's song, uh, you found it interesting, you never heard this song before, or if you really enjoyed my personal story about uh, I shared uh, about this song, uh, please email me at samltwilly at icloud.com or you can also follow me on Instagram at iheartoldies and check out more of my original music at samwilliamsmusic.net. Also, um, other things that are always in the description of each episode of this podcast, just in case you don't know, um, links to this week's song will be in there. Uh, next week's episode is going to be all about the history behind Blood, Sweat, and Tears and we'll go into all that uh, next week and also um, link to the official Spotify playlist for this podcast is also in the description of this episode of this podcast there you can find all the songs I've talked about on the show and hopefully if you decide to listen to that uh, playlist you'll have a good idea for what kind of songs I talk about on my podcast and you can go on there and you can um, basically uh, you know uh, you know listen to all the songs I've talked about and Hopefully you can give me some suggestions on any songs that I haven't covered on the show before and you would like me to do next uh, for this podcast. And if you want to send those my way, you can email them to me at samltwillyicloud.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram too at iheartoldies. Also, um, you can also check out more of my original music um, You know, in the description of this episode of this podcast. Link to my website is there. 
And last but not least, another cool thing that is also in the description of this episode of this podcast is the link to my podcast merchandise store. There you can find, uh, you know, this really cool logo that I got designed for my podcast, which is basically the catchphrase that I say at the end of every episode and keep on trucking tie-dye font and my name, my podcast on the bottom. And that's attached to a bunch of really cool merchandise items. And there you'll be able to find all of that. And uh, if you decide to purchase something, if you like what I'm doing with this podcast, I really appreciate it if you can do that. Um, You can go down there and you can basically, um, you know, uh, purchase something and it will ship right to you. And if you do decide to do that, please let me know by emailing me and uh, at samlzwilly at icloud.com. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram at um. I heart oldies actually, and sh- and also send me a picture, whatever you got, and uh, let me know if uh, you know if whether that be a T-shirt or a button or a coffee mug or whatever, you know, send me a picture of what you got, and also if you, with a few sentences on how much you love my podcast, maybe your favorite song, artist I've talked about in the show so far, maybe your favorite interview. I'd really appreciate it if you can do that. But yeah, so um. Uh, I'm Sam Williams, and thank you guys. And by the way, if you're listening to the show on the Apple Podcast app, please leave me a review. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, because the more reviews I get on the Apple Podcast app, the more my show gets pushed into the potentially getting pushed in the new and noteworthy section of iTunes. That'd be so awesome if you can do that. So I really appreciate it if you can do that. So, and yeah, and if you're listening to an iHeartRadio, please leave me a comment and follow me on Spotify as well. I appreciate that as well. But anyway, so um, I'm Sam Williams, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode of my podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. Until next week, police keep things groovy. <laughs> <laughs>